Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Hi everybody, welcome to tonight's share. Thank you for coming on a Sunday night to spend time with us and to all grow together. Tonight's share with Coach Menachem is share number 122, and we're to have Rav Gershon with us tonight, Rav Gershon Shusterman. Well, it's going to be a very powerful share, so uh, put on your seatbelts, and let's, let's all grow together tonight. Again, I start off every first thanking all of our sponsors, all of our listeners for coming every week and uh, promoting our share, and it's been a tremendous ride, a tremendous chizik for us, me and Menachem, and um, been unbelievable. So I thank everybody for posting it on your WhatsApp statuses, emailing to friends, letting people know about it. Baruch Hashem, it's really gone around well, and uh, we get a tremendous amount of feedback. So thank you for that. Again, um, it's a tremendous program. We'll get the shmooze, and tonight's topic specifically is a very powerful topic. Um, if anybody wants to join our chats every Sunday, I send out the flyer to everybody to WhatsApp me personally at 848 525 0066 848 525 0066. You can go to menachembarenfall.com and go to his website to sign up for his weekly flyers where he sends everybody the, the flyer for the speaker for the week and then the replays. You can be part of this tremendous, tremendous uh, weekly share. All the people that are watching this on YouTube, you can click on the like button, the share, and click on the subscribe button. And Hashem, every Sunday, every Monday morning, when Menachem uploads the video of the speaker of the week, you get notified about it right away. And um, you get to uh, get to share them. So, so please sign up and be part of it. I first of all, start off always every week thanking all the advertising people, the advertising sponsors that sponsor us and promote us on the digital platforms, the Lakewood Scoopy on Lakewood, Ellie and Ariel from Five Town Central, and Kyla Kaufman and Shmuel Summer from JCN, the Jewish Content Network, for always promoting us across all the digital Jewish platforms. Again, if anybody's here the first time, we do this every Sunday night. It's a share 122. So it's been a while. Been about two and a half years, and Baruch Hashem was strong. And every Sunday night at 9 30 on the Zoom ID, we have different rabbonim, different therapists, different speakers from across the globe and all over the world who've come here already and spoken. So please join us. Next week's share, <clears throat> special announcement, Coach Menachem. Next week's share, for the first time in history, there will not be a share next Sunday night, and I'm going to take blame for that. I'm sorry. I will not be available next week. I'm going to be traveling. So try to make my arrangements. I always did. I made my weddings. Babies, everything not on Sunday night, but this one I could not miss. So next Sunday night there will not be a shear. So next time the following Sunday, November 27th, we're gonna have a shear with Rashiva and Chaim Tzvi Center from Israel live, and we'll discuss the topic as we get closer. And then just to follow up on that, the week afterwards, with December 4th, we're gonna have a shear with world-renowned therapist with Michelle and Epstein from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and then Moshe Rapper from Tom's River was supposed to come on this past this uh, November 20th, next Sunday. I pushed him to December 11th, and Rabbi Shem is works for him as well. So we'll see everybody November 27th. And if you don't know what to do next Sunday night, maybe take the last 122 shiurim and uh, work on work on those things. You could do chazar sashir. It's probably 122 shiurim times two plus hours. It's a good, you know, it's a good 240 hours. So you can keep your Sunday busy. And I'm sorry about uh, I'm sorry about that, but uh, it happens. Tonight was Zoichen, the schuss to have with us, Reb Gershon Shusterman. He's an author of a book. It took him, uh, I don't know about how many, 30 plus years to put together this book and finally put it out. And it's an unbelievable book. And the share is based on the concept of the book, and the book is called Why God Why. And uh, that should be a lot of people here tonight, and should be a physical lot of people. We'll get back to them in a second. Tonight's share is 122, and our uh, 
As our, our president of the Shur, Anayach Friedman, the Gematria for 122 is Tansen Everything comes from Shreif Mashem. He's the one and only, and hopefully tonight we'll get more physical understanding and how to process that and how to deal with that. I want to first start off with Coach Menachem to give an opening. Menachem, what are we doing here tonight? Please look. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I want to welcome everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem. Baruch Hashem. Tonight is number 122 with a lot of Siata de we just came back from the expo where we spent today in New York, the Providers Expo, and we got to meet many of you. And I do want to thank you for coming over and uh, giving all those feedback, Baruch Hashem. And there are many that don't know about our program yet, and there are probably newcomers tonight that found out about it today and they're joining. So I want to welcome all of those for being here, for joining. Welcome to the club. Tonight's topic is, is a heavy one. It's about grief. And uh, I think many people are here tonight because they want answers. People want to understand. We need to make sense out of it, out of what's going on. Many times things happen and we can't figure it out. And yes, we know Hashem runs the world, and we believe, but we ask why, trying to understand. And the truth is, grief is not only when you lose a, a, a loved one, and you know, usually that's what they discuss, whether it's the Dabda discussing the 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 levels, the what, the, what you have to go through. Dabda, you know, you have to depression, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So whatever, whatever level it is, and whatever you have to go through, whatever you have to feel, it's not only when it's losing a loved one. It's if you think about it, every time there's something that's not working out in your life, there's a certain le a level of, of grief. It could be financial, it could be health. Somebody's not well, and they would love to just, you know, be up and running, but they can't. They have to process it. The emotions that come up, and not always are we aware of those emotions. Not always are we aware, uh, aware of how to process it. So, it's, it's a heavy topic and obviously different levels, but everybody in their situation thinks that, you know, I can't get over this, whatever this is. It could be losing, losing a loved one and it could be um, whatever struggle they're going through in life. And they sometimes try to figure out why. They want to know why. They want to figure it out. And we're human beings that try to understand. And when things don't make sense, it throws us off. But there are people out there who are really suffering, really um, going through real challenges. And sometimes it's, it, it's hard. They can find themselves with anger, find themselves with depression, whatever emotion is, and they think there's something wrong with them, not understanding that that's part of the process and that happens. So that's an important piece to understand. So tonight we have the honor 
this host habitat of Shustam, and like we heard, that he's been dealing with this for many, many years, trying to figure things out. And here, here he is, Mitzvah Shem, tonight. We're going to be discussing how he did it, whether it was in the beginning or later on. And he did write a book about it. We will try to cover the whole book, but probably not. We'll try to get some snippets. And Mitzvah Shem, we should be able to get the physic that we need. If everybody's going to get the answer that they want, I'm not sure. I don't know if there are answers for these questions. But we'll try to discuss and figure out what am I feeling? What am I supposed to feel? What am I supposed to do? I'm lost. I'm broken. How? And yeah, let me try to figure out why. Let's see if we can do that. So Mitch, we shall have a lot of siyata, the shmayish. We're able to take the knowledge a little bit, take it in and help us process the, the emotions that we need to process so that we should be able to get to the better place, to a, to a place where we need to be to understand how. And so we should be able to continue life, even though, yes, it might be very, very painful. Thank you very much. Beautiful opening. Can you hear me clearly, Menachem? Okay. Yep. Okay, so tonight's year, the topic is called How to Believe in Heaven When It Hurts Like Hell. Working through your grief while not becoming stuck into it. So that's the topic of tonight's year. Based on Gershon's new book, Hashem will send out the links where to get it. And Hashem, uh, hopefully a lot of people buy the book. It's a tremendous book. Um, tonight's year, we're going to do a little bit interesting. Tonight, me and I, today, me and I, we're in a conference today. And two old, a little bit older girls came over to us, asked us for a bracha, all this chusim that we have. So I said, I gave them a bracha, but I said, you know something? I decided we'll do a shir schus for them, the Shafan Shaduchim, Chana Gitl Bas Sipora Sara, and Miriam Chaya Bas Sipora Sara, Bas Sipora Sara. And also, Schus El Nishmas, Daniel Ben Yosef Ruven Halevi, who was actually close friends of Rabbi Shustman, asked him to do a shir schus for her husband. I'll read Rabbi Gershon's bio, and then uh, Rabbi Gershon, the floor is going to be yours, okay? Okay. Bio. Gershon Schusterman was born in Paris, France in 1947, while his parents were en route to the Soviet Union to the United States, settling in Brownsville section of Brooklyn. Educated in the United Babaji Yeshiva school system, Schusterman was already recognized as a scholar in his late teens, lectured on various topics in Jewish law. His rabbinical orientation, the Smicha, was in 1969, is on the highest level of Yeridea and, and authorizing him to address not only rabbinical matters, but also matters in Jewish civil law the Jewish religion equivalent of a judge. Shustman became a co-director of the fledging Long Beach Hebrew Academy in August 1971. It was named director in 1977. During his tenure, the Hebrew Academy grew from 86 to 500 students with his classes from nursery through high school, earning the prestigious accreditation from the Western Association of Schools and Colleges, the only Jewish day school in California to earn such accreditation from all levels K through 12. After 12 years, of this, Rabbi Shusman left his position in 1989. In addition to running a Hebrew Academy, Rabbi Shusman was responsible for Friends of Lubavitch of Orange County, which includes branches of Chabad and Long Beach, Eldorado Park, Huntington Beach, Irvine, Yorba Linda, and South Laguna, California. Rabbi Shusman taught Hasidic philosophy at Yeshiva Ara Khan and Chabad, Lubavitch Rabbinical Seminary in Los Angeles, and is sought after inspiring and enlightening speaker, the proud father of 11 children and many, many grandchildren. Rabbi Shusman's writing on Jewish topics have been published. And his first book that he ever published was Why God Why. I just want to say before he starts, a lot of people came over to me and they said they know Rabbi Shusterman personally. And they said, Rabbi Shusterman, 
is a tzaddik, tzaddik, tzaddik. I'm just saying that. I'm just giving over the message. Rabbi Shusterman, it's to have you here. Please open up for us. I'm going to sue those people for defamation. Okay. So the name of the book Why God Why uh, could be actually sometimes people say, How can you ask such a question? It's almost up a courses. So the 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 mocker with that for the name of the book is actually in Tillam. David Amalach said, Kaili, Kaili, Loma Azavtani. I rearranged the word. But uh, if you said Tillam with any kavana, you will find a number of places where there are such uh, personal expressions of grief and demanding of Hashem to explain. Um, how this happened, why it happened, and and why we feel forsaken. Uh, we live, Baruch Hashem, in America in the 21st century, uh, but go back 100 years in Europe, uh, it wasn't theoretical, it wasn't uh, gentle, it was heavy. The, the, the heavy boots of the anti-Semites and the pogroms and the Rahman al-Islam uh, the question was very real. And very often, the, the answers were not forthcoming. Um, yesterday, we read of Ramavina, the first Yid, known as Reish Lema'aminim. He was the first Ma'amin in the Abishter. And what did he say to the Abishter yesterday during Kriya Satera? Chalila Lacha. It almost sounds chutzpidik. But the, we don't find any great critique on Avramavina for saying that. Um, and, you know, an interesting thing, it didn't affect Avramavina's emuna. Moshe Rabbeinu, in Shmois, Loma Hariyesu Loma Hazeh. Yirmiya, you learned Yirmiya, it's a regular theme there. Madura Derech Rosham Tzalecha, why do the good people suffer and, and have to suffer the, 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 the embarrassment of the, of the Rishoyim? Um, and Last but certainly not least, Eiv. Uh, it's an entire Tanakh, Eiv, that deals with this subject. It's a very difficult Tanakh to learn. The language is complicated. Um, but for 38 Prokim, Eiv argues with Hashem um, and asks him, why am I suffering? We know the story because we read the introduction in Perak Aleph and Bayes. The Sutton came to the Abister and said, and the Abister was showing off. You know, did you meet my son Eve? How righteous he is. And the Sutton said, huh, he got it made. You're his supporter, you're his protector. He has 10 children, he has uh, animals, and he has real estate. Um, why shouldn't he be righteous? And the, and 
the Avishter said, okay, test him. And the Avishter gave the Sultan permission and he went through stage one where he, his children uh, were killed, his farms, his animals were, 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 were uh, destroyed, his farms were burnt and and Eev swallowed hard and didn't say anything. He didn't sin, he didn't speak out against Hashem. Then the Sutton met Abishter again and said, well, you know, that was just external. Uh, when it touches his body, uh, then let's see if he, if he doesn't uh, rebel against you, Rebbeinu Shalom. They said, okay, I give you permission. And then um, he had boils from his head to his feet. He was miserable. And then he started asking questions of the Avishter. So we have a rich tradition of asking questions of Hashem. Um, the name Yisrael is Kisarisa Imalikim. We wrestle with Hashem. You don't wrestle with Hashem. Uh, uh, obviously, not not uh, Avram, a Yankov may have wrestled with uh, with a Malach, but we wrestle with Hashem in our minds and in our challenges to Hashem, which, as will be discussed in the course of the evening, is an appropriate thing. Not only appropriate, but perhaps quite necessary. Uh, there are some people, like the famous uh, Reb Zusha. Um, who didn't know and didn't identify that he was suffering. And anybody like Reb Zusha probably has no questions. But the rest of us who aren't like Reb Zusha, um, we have a duty to come to terms with our challenge. And we need to ask. We need to look into Torah. We need to look into, uh, we need to find a, a Rav, a Mashpia, a Chaver, to help work out, because if you don't work it out in a positive way, it leaves a void and that leaves you open to all sorts of challenges. The Holocaust, there's the Holocaust Klali, which happened in the early forties. Um, and unfortunately, uh, many Eden died the Gashmias, six million. And many Eden closed down Baruchnius and renounced their relationship with Hashem. Um, when a person suffers a, a tragedy, a tragedy means that we all have tzoros, we all have issues. Um, that is part of the normal way we live. But when we have a tragedy, defined by you become overwhelmed by it and your threat being threatened to collapse to collapse emotionally that's when we really need to deal with the, the the issue of why is Hashem doing this to me is Hashem doing this to me um it, it, when, when my wife passed away in 1986, I'll get into that in a minute, uh, there was a new book um, printed a few years before from Rabbi Harold Kushner, a conservative rabbi, where he said, 
There's no problem. The Abishta can deal with evil. Evil has a koyach b'fnei and when bad things happen to you, blame it on the evil, don't blame it on Hashem. Um, it's very obvious that that isn't a, uh, an answer that we can live with because our Abishter is, uh, uh, he is the boss of everything, including evil, and evil doesn't have koyach over the Abishter. So the Abishter has a role in things that happen to us. And therefore, sometimes it's legitimate to ask, why are you allowing this to happen or why are you doing this to me? My story, and I, it happened years ago, but it, in some ways it's, uh, it's a, an event that you don't really forget. Um, Dalad Nissen Tavshin Memvov, it was a sunny morning on a Sunday in Southern California. Uh, it was 10 days before Pesach. The Hebrew Academy was having a, uh, a program for children. And my wife, Allah Sholem, um, had come there. She played piano to play piano for the children as the, pro you know, they had a little play, whatever children they, they do. And she said to one of her friends, she's really not feeling well. And she left by, before the end, um, came home. I, on the other hand, went to the yeshiva in Los Angeles. I gave a shear at 7.30 in Cetus for an hour and a half, Davin Chakras, and came back home. Um, and as I was on my way back home, she called me on my phone. Now, some of you are going to think, 1986, what kind of phone did you have? I had, a, I had the new cell phones. It wasn't a cell phone that I kept on my, uh, on my waist or in, in my hand. It was the size of a small attache case, but in my position in running the Hebrew Academy, I needed to have that. So it, it probably wasn't even a cell. It was probably something else. I don't know the electronics, but she called me and she told me, and I can hear in her voice immediately, this was not a little issue that it, it sounded very serious. Uh, here I am driving on the freeway. What can I do? I said, I will do my best. I'll speed up. I've been known to be in conflict with the speed limit from time to time. I did that morning. I came home, it was you know, 10.30, and um, I saw with one look that she needs to go straight to the hospital. Um, I think one of my older children, um, who was not bar mitzvah yet, took over the babysitting duties. And there were 11 children in the family. The oldest was learning in New York by then. Um, the youngest were 16-month-old twins. He, had, he, had, he picked up that responsibility. And we started going to the hospital. We figured we are members of a certain hospital, which was seven miles away. We'll go there quickly. Uh, but after two miles, we realized that this is not going to wait. Uh, we found the hospital. Uh, there's a big hospital. It was one, another half a mile from where we were then. Drove us straight to the emergency room. Uh, they took her in. I sat there waiting. I did two things. I called the Rebbe's office and asked for a bracha, and I said to him. And in about an hour, they, the doctor came out, and the look on his face uh, was not very encouraging. He asked me to sit down, and he stood over me and said those words that you never want to hear. We did everything that we 
we can, but it didn't help. Wife passed away. And I asked, I didn't necessarily verbalize the words, but I asked Rabbi Nishalelam, why? Uh, she was a good person. Was, was she a tzadikus? Um, by, by, she was as a good, a, a good young Yidina who worked hard raising her family and teaching in the Hebrew Academy and uh, being a mikvah lady, whatever was necessary, she did it with other uh, Rebetzins that were in the Lubavitcher community then. Um, um, she was as good as many and better than most. And suddenly, without preparation, she is gone. She moved on to a higher plane. Uh, and I had 11 children to be concerned about and to raise. And I did, Baruch Hashem, um, get married again within two years to a, another wonderful woman who, even though she, she, she was an angel, she had her both of her feet firmly planted planted on the ground, and she raised these children and uh, helped make them into the mention that they all are today. But the question, why did Hashem do this, uh, was a challenge. I have to say that I did not, at that point, have any svekas has to show them. I remember distinctly saying to myself, um, that this is from Hashem, why I don't know. Uh, now is my opportunity, now is my challenge to put everything that I've learned and everything that I've believed in and everything that I've preached to others to put it into action for myself and by extension for others. Am I up to it? My mind didn't have a question uh, but was I up to carrying, carrying it through? And I wasn't, I, I wasn't tested yet, and I wasn't sure how I will follow through with it. And Baruch Hashem, now thirty-six years later, I think I did a decent job. Fast forward, forward three months. We had a parent body that the majority of them were not from. They were some were traditional, some were interested, some came for the secular department, and they would by going to the Hebrew Academy. It was either a blessing or a bane for them, but they were there. But when this happened, this wasn't a tragedy just for the Schusterman family. It was for our community, and it was for the school community, which was a second community, and they were borching in the background. You want us to believe in, in a God, and we should consider being more traditional and more observant? Is this, is this your God? Is this how he behaves? He takes away a young Rebetzin at the age of 36 and leaves her children orphaned and her husband widowed. Um, and so three months later, uh, I gave a seven-week course um, on using uh, the, 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 the title, Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? Not when bad things happen to good people, but 
good do bad things happen to good people? And that answered many people and that, you know, it's gonna be like tonight, a lot of very interesting questions. I still have the transcript of those, of those um, seven uh, lectures or, or classes um, uh, through Usher. It was communicated by my secretary then, Phyllis, Phyllis, I, I don't know if you're on. If you are, hi and thank you. Um, we can talk another time, uh, but I still have her original typed book. And so we all have, and it's a sliding scale of how you define it by your character. Uh, we all have Taurus. Uh, other people have Nishenas, but I have Taurus. Taurus come in little things and big things. You can have a crisis, you can have, but, but the book deals with all those and just for the sake of, we all know some of the regular answers with the Chazal say, Mishiraya Adam Yisurim Bayam Olov, uh, um, we don't want to tell people that, yeah, there's punishment. The Abish is still in, is still in charge. There's to refine one's character. Uh, there's Yisurim Shal Ahava, which that's unique for very special people. There's Nisyanis of Ramavinu. Uh, yesterday in, in the Kriya, he had the biggest Nisyan of the Akeda, but he had. Ten nisyanis, we also get nisyanis. Um, and then there's nisyanis that we don't understand. Um, and then for those who are Hasidic and Hasidish and Kabbalistically oriented, uh, we do believe in uh, Gilgulim. And we are not only who we are today, but we may have lived before once or twice or three times. Uh, this is not only a Hasidic thing, the Alter Rebbe brings it in Shulchan Aruch, in Hilchos that we come, people come back more than one time to finish their mission. Um, so some things from the past, uh, might this might be some debts accumulated. And I will be open for questions and answers. Um, yeah, so... This book was in the making since then, but in the last two years, I really focused on it. And um, this is where I'm at. And that's why I'm honored to be uh, speaking here. Uh, hope, you know, I've said, I paid the tuition for this course. It was a very expensive tuition to get this course. And I, I, I got the course. I know, I remember in 1986, 1987, I was looking for Chaymer. And I, I knew how to learn. I knew Gemara. I knew, Med I, I knew a lot. But I was looking for a systematic, systemized, organized book that will give me answers to what was bothering me right then and there. They didn't exist. Today, there's a, a half a dozen uh, quite decent books on the subject. Um, but, but this one, I hope, I think, I believe, 
goes into it from a different angle. And I hope that the people who will read it will find Kizuk answers or ways to accept that which cannot be answered. Okay, Gavaldu, Rabbi Shustman, beautiful opening. Matshem tonight. With hopefully everybody will be interactive. We're excited to have such an amazing person with us here tonight, who uh, will uh, share some of his hakman, some of his personal koiches. And we have a lot of questions that came in. People want to ask live. So again, for all those that want to ask live, the live questions go first. You can text Usher Parnas here on the screen, and we'll put them on. We're going to ask first the poll question, and uh, maybe we'll start off first with a live question, Rabbi Shustman, if that's okay. Okay. Whatever you say. Let's start with a poll. We'll ask three questions. Everybody answer it. Answer honestly. And then uh, we'll take it from there. Three questions. Have you, have you ever had this question? Why God, why in your life? Three answers. Yes, all the time. No, not really. Or C, I don't like to go there. That's the first question. Second question. When you find yourself with an unbearable challenge, what is your go-to? It's three answers. Either I talk and complain about it to everybody. When you're going through a matzah, you talk about it with everybody. Or is your personality more to stiff it, stiff it and shut it, stiff it down and shut up like you more hold it inside? Or the third option is I try to get better with my Yiddishkeit and work on my self. And then the third follow-up question is, if you have been through an unbearable challenge, where did it end? Three possible choices. I processed it for a while, and with time, it became bearable. Question, option number two, I'm still struggling with mine for years and years and years. Option three, it total, it totally... Do you want it? No, I have to For option three, um, it totally broke me, and I'm not the same person anymore. Let's share the results. Everybody votes. Oh, I didn't have a coach. Okay. Do you touch it? Okay. Here's the three of the results. So, Rabbi Shisterman, one second, you know something? Let, let me just redo. Okay, leave it, leave it. I'm going to redo the polls because it got somebody cut it off. So, I'll just relaunch it again. Hold on. Everybody redo it again because uh, somebody ended it by mistake. Okay, three questions again. Have you ever been with this question, why God, why in your life? Yes, all the time. No, not really. Or option three, I don't like to go there. Second question, when finding yourself an unbearable challenge, what is your go-to? I talk and complain about it to everybody. I shut it down. I don't talk about it. Or option three, I try to get better with my Yiddish kind of work on myself. Third question is, if you've ever been through an unbearable cha challenge, where did it end? Three answers. I processed it for a while, and with time, it became bearable. Option two, I'm struggling with the mind for years and years. Option three, it totally broke me, and I'm not the same person anymore. So everybody, please answer. I was just in a aggressive crowd over here. You have 700 plus people over here. I'm here for you. Everybody votes. We're going to share the results and then we're going to get some live questions. You go first. Yes, I want to. Okay. You ready? The results are like this. Menachem, you see the results? Okay. The, th the three questions were the first question was <laughs> Have you. Did you ever have the question, why God, why Rabbi Shustman? 58% of the people here tonight have this question. So, so the book definitely has a good title. Loilum resonates with it. Oh, one second. We didn't share it. It's not shared. Sorry. Sharing it now. Sorry. Okay. 58% of people say yes all the time. 18% of people say not really. And 24% say I don't like to go there. So Rabbi Shustman, you see the Loilum has this question. It's a good, it's a good question. Make Fregan. 
Do you want me to comment on that? Sure. Um, yes, all the time. Uh, I hope that all the time doesn't mean all the time, but whenever there's a crisis, uh, they might ask that. Uh, if we have it all the time, we're, in, we're all in big trouble. Um, but to ask the question is normal. To ask the question is appropriate. And, uh, and I'm happy that 58% of the people do. Not really is either um, people, either um, their emuna just takes over right away, or um, I don't have any other explanation for that. I don't want to uh, say what other options might be for, for not really. I don't like to go there is very clear. I understand why people don't like to go there because they're getting into a hole that will be very difficult to dig themselves out of. Um, however, by not addressing, uh, you, you, you are creating a different problem for yourself that you, it's like a low grade fever that's in the background eating away at you and you don't have an, you're not sick enough to go to the doctor and you're not healthy enough to feel good. So it eats away at you and then it dissipates and it will come back another time when there's another, it'll rear up its ugly head and challenging you and actually challenging you in your Amunah and Hashem if you haven't addressed it in some tangible way. So I am definitely an advocate to ask questions and because it's necessary. And maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Okay, the second question, when you find yourself an unbearable challenge, what's, what's your go-to? 90% of people say I talk and, and complain about it to everybody. 28% of people say I shut it down. And 53%, most people say I try to get better with my Yiddishkeit and work on myself. Yeah. Talk about it and, and complain about it to everyone. Uh, uh, that, that's not a very productive thing. Uh, it doesn't solve the Rufnius and it doesn't solve the Gashmius. It just gives you a topic of conversation and after a while people get bored bored with you and they say oh, that person's just complaining all the time doesn't help stuff it down and shut it down that's the same thing as the last answer in the previous poll it's basically ignoring it and ignoring it is not a healthy thing whereas the third thing i get better with my yiddish guide and work on it uh yes that that is the classic an appropriate Jewish approach. You're doing something about it. When I said the Gemara says, uh, he should review his actions. Uh, the Rama says when, when there was a, 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 a curse on the Jewish community, when there's no rain, when they have to have, um, uh, they, they decree a tainus tzibur, um, and and that is because even something as natural as uh, climate control, the Ebeshter is Shem is Hashem is in charge of nature too, not just supernatural things. Uh, and when things don't happen properly in nature, we see it as coming from the Ebeshter. And, and it's a reminder from the Ebeshter that we have to shape up. Uh, does that answer all the questions? No, it doesn't answer the question, but at least gives us 
concrete and a concrete action to take and to uh, get get a little bit closer to the Eivishter. And the third, the last question is, if you've been through an unbearable challenge, where did it end? So three options. Most people said, 58% of people said, I processed it for a while and with time it became bearable. 34% of people say, I'm still struggling with mine for years and years. And 8% of people say, it totally broke me and I'm not the same person anymore. Okay. So it would be interesting to correlate if the, the same majority in all three categories are the same people. And that would be a good research project for somebody. Uh, but you got my point. Uh, processing it uh, means working with it. And working with it mean, can mean at many different levels. It could mean purely beruchnius. It could be mean, in other words, improving one's ways. It can mean talking to a rov, talking to a mashpia, talking to a manahal ruchni, who can give the person a framework of how that could be and what it might mean and what lessons they can learn for it. And then it became bearable. It should actually uh, be more than bearable. You can live with it, um, but bearable is good enough. Uh, struggling with it for years and years is that which is not addressed is there, will stay there and eat away at you, as I said before totally broke me, I, I, uh, that, that is really sad. And that person, if 8% of the people who are listening answered that, I encourage you to speak to a rov, speak to a mashpia, speak to a therapist, uh, speak to a good friend who is older and wiser. And, and it's not too late to begin addressing it. Uh, The term "I am not the same person" is not a compliment. It's a, it's 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 a broken person. No yid should be broken, and the Eberster didn't do that for the sake of breaking the person, but to give the person an opportunity to grow from it. And uh, it's not too late. <coughs> okay, Rabbi Shusman, let's get into the questions tonight. Let's get deep. Um, I'm going to go with the first live question. Okay, you're on. Hi, Rabbi Shusterman. Thank you for taking my question. Um, my question has really two parts. Um, first of all, while going through a challenge, I'm not talking about when someone had a big challenge and was over, but when someone goes through a challenge that's taking a long time, um, you know, the classic thing uh, when we ask a Rav, a Godal, and it was mentioned before, is that if you really knew there was a bigger plan, you would really be happy. You know, there was, there's, this would you would see this as good the question is if we don't have we don't actually get to see it because Hashem's wisdom is infinitely greater than ours so is there any tools we could at least retain happiness without knowing because at the end of the day a lot of the times even after the whole thing is over until 120 and we're in the next world we don't know what the good behind it was sometimes we do but at least even but coach came during while we're going through the thing most of the time, we don't see the good. So is there a way we can contain ourselves and really be happy? Or is this just like a placebo effect? Just believe everything's good, you'll just be happy. Um, and the second question is, the part that you mentioned of Yifashrish myself that sometimes we should look into ourselves, maybe something we need to fix. At what point 
do we decide, you know, I checked, I did what I had to do, and I don't have to continue going on a guilt trip or maybe because of this, because we're never going to be at Sadiq Gomer. And it was just, I always speak, we always speak Lashon Hara, you know, at what point is I did my job, I did what I had to do, and I don't have to keep on self-blaming myself because of this, I'm a bad person, I'm this. If I, like, what areas do I look into? And then I go on in life. Uh, let me address the second question first. No, you shouldn't be your fascist remise of for the rest of your life. Um, even the Gemara says, "Pish pish for matzah, yis yitle be bittel tera." We are not we are not angels, as you said. We do our best. We it is a wake up call to improve ourselves in the areas if we can identify a specific area, deal with that and move on. And don't get uh, burdened by it. Don't don't hang on to it. Um, um, as for the first, uh, uh, give me the synopsis of the first question. The idea is like we're the uh, a god or a rav. They tell us if there's a real big plan, and if you knew the plan, you would be happy. At the end of the day, we don't know the bigger plan. So, is there any tool with that we could be happy or contain ourselves? especially if it's a long-term challenge while going through the challenge without knowing, or it's just something we just have to accept and push it into ourselves. Simply put, if you believe that the Abishter runs the world, and if you believe that the Abishter is a, a... uh, a Rachamon and a and a Chazdon, uh, then, and you believe that in principle, that if you want, that should filter down, and you should see the toiv in the in in the bad that you're experiencing now. You would have to be at a very high level, uh, in but you know. In Musr and in Hasidus and in Midrashim, uh, the, the precisely the things that come down hard on us uh, is precisely because it is not brought down to our level. In, in, in a simple marshal, uh, if you give a child a candy, the child is very happy. You give a child a well-deserved patch, the child is very unhappy. Uh, but the well-deserved patch is much better for the child than the candy. And we are the children. And Hashem is the father, and he is the one who knows when to give us candies and, and when to give us a patch. And when we are going through something, whether it's for an event that happened once and it's done, or whether it's an event that lingers on, uh, if it's coming from the Abishter, it is good. Um, so, li- like the patch is good, but it may not necessarily filter down to our our value system because we're on the receiving end. Um, in Tanya, if you learn Hasidus and Tanya, it talks that's that's a higher level of Giluyim. Uh, it's, it's from Gevura, it's a higher level uh, of 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 a lacus, like the patch, uh, and you have to um, 
take it in. Okay. Okay, we have, we have just, let's, let's go to the first question. We have a lot of live. We're going to get to them right after this, but I want to do the cover the first question. I love your opening a lot, and logically it makes a lot of sense. However, I feel that Hashem is just out there to get me. I'm struggling with my finances. Whatever I do just doesn't work to cover my bills and is already there for many, many years like this. Why can't Hashem just help me and give me what I need? So one thing I want to say is I once got a call. It was 5.30 in the morning in California. It was 8.30 on the East Coast. And I got a call from a young shliach who said, uh, Rabbi Shisterman, help me out. There's a crisis here. I just got a call from one of the women in our community. Um, her husband, I, I won't sh shield you from the story. My hus her husband was just, just committed suicide in their garage. The ambulances are there, the police are there. And they called me, what am I supposed to say? That was a tough question. I'm not gonna give you the long version. The short point that I wanna bring, I told him was, first thing is you are not God's attorney. Don't take on the role of being God's attorney. Hashem will have to take care of himself. Right now, you have to help them find the support that they need in the practical things for them today, tomorrow, next week, next month. Then you can get into the philosophy of it. So that's the same thing here. When I'm talking to people and I don't know them and I don't know exactly what's going on, and I am giving advice and pontificating about something that I know very little about their personal lives, uh, it can come across uh, as uh, callous and hard and, and very philosophical, but not very practical. So my role here is I am a Yid. I am not the Abishter, and I don't know the Abishter much better than all of you know him. Uh, but I would try to answer, if I were in that person's circumstances, this is what I would have to be doing. And I hope that to a certain extent, it fits. The question was, the Eberstetz of Ungesetz stuff mir. everything is not going well. And this has been going on for a while. And why can't Hashem just help, uh, uh, just help me? And, and give me what I need. Oh. The Abishter put the Neshama down in me and you, Neshama Shanasata Bitahirahi. It went through all these levels to come down here, and he wants us to earn, not to be granted, to earn uh, our our relationship with Hashem, which will filter down in a decent life. Um, when a person is going through long-term challenges, he needs to ask himself, is there something on a practical level, not on a Rukhni sticker level, uh, am I doing everything right? Uh, do I need to make changes? Uh, there's a saying, um, if you do what you did, and if you think what you thought and do what you did, you'll have what you had. 
when things are not going well, you have to ask yourself, am I thinking incorrectly or am I doing incorrectly? On a practical level, the person's in a job. Uh, is he not doing the job well? Is he ill-fitted for that job? You know, this is something he has to have, he has to network with other friends of his and with people more experienced. Give me advice. What is there, am I doing anything wrong in Derach HaTeva that I can't seem to kricharois from this, uh, from this pattern? And surprisingly, many people will find that, yep, I got to change the way I'm doing things. Other than that, you got to dive into the Eivishter and uh, trust that the Eivishter cares. Okay, beautiful Rabbi Shustam. And let's go to the next live question. One second. Hello. Hi. Yes, hi, how are you? Okay. So what I wanted to ask um, was that we recently experienced the loss of my mother-in-law. We're one of the older children in the family, and there's a lot of single children at home. So two questions that have really come up um, that I'm, I'm hoping, you know, you, you've been in that position to be able to help is number one, um, how to be a support for my husband who has like struggling with day to day just from the from the pain of what he experienced. Like if you have any advice on how I could be a, a support for him. Um, and the second question was how to balance being able to be there for my own family and also be able to be there for my inlaw family. To what degree do you think I, I should be involved? Like there's a lot of things that they're like not managing with. Um, but I'm finding it hard to find like the right balance if you have any advice on that. Um, this is actually a Shaila for a Rav. Your, uh, I would think that your first responsibility uh, is to your immediate family uh, and, and make sure that they're taken care of, uh, even though it would require some compromise in that and that uh, your husband would have to take over some responsibilities which normally you carry. And for the older generation, you have to be as supportive as you can. Uh, the circumstances uh, are in the, so unique. Each, each family is different and the dynamics are different, whether they need emotional support or whether they need physical support. Um, it, is, it is a legitimate crisis what you're describing and you have to learn to adjust and figure out what, how to prioritize. It's hard for me to tell you how to prioritize in detail because I'm not there. I don't know the I don't know the people and I don't know the details. But um, but there are if if there are if, there, if there's a rub in the community and in, knows all the people all the moving parts, you should be able to get advice of how to uh, triage your time. And energy. I hope that helps. Would you be able to answer on that first question that she said? Um, how you could help her be there for her husband um, if he's not managing? 
was having a hard time, what could she do? This is her husband's mother who passed away? Yeah. If it's okay, I can say, love him even more. Be supportive of him even more. And uh, that's what he needs at this time, support. Let, let, uh, let him feel whatever he feels, even though it's not comfortable. Well, Don't try to change because whatever he's feeling is real. What, what he's feeling is not real. Uh, she can encourage him to speak to someone uh, outside of the family who's, who, who can be supportive. A wife has a unique role and the role is sort of a, an, a, an existing structure, whereas a rov can say things that a wife can say. A wife is not his therapist, she's his support. Right. So that, that is a tricky, tricky part. Yeah. That's supposed to be the therapists. You're not supposed to tell them you know what's right and what's wrong. You have to just be there and just, and that could be hard because you're not, you don't know exactly what he's feeling. So that could be tricky. Well, she can encourage him to speak to her. You know, that, that may might take time. You know, yeah, well, there, there have been. Uh, I, I know this from reality and from facts and, and things that I've read, where where there's a death in the family. And the couple who, whether it's the loss of a child that affects them both equally or another death, if the couple draws closer together in dealing with the grief, uh, they come out after that stronger. And if they, they, if they each one hibernate in their own corner or one is hibernating the, and doesn't let the other one in, it, that could create distance that lingers on longer. So the goal should be to try to get your husband to open up to you in the way that he, to the extent that he is able to, and, uh, and then you can be supportive. I'm just wondering if, you know, I'm gonna get personal, we don't have to answer. Um, with your story, did you feel any of your kids when they were growing up afterwards, any of your kids were like quiet and not, not talking about it, didn't want to talk about it? Certainly. I have uh, a, a full-fledged psychological laboratory in my home, 11 kids, uh, ages 16 and a half months to 14 at that, at that time. Uh, and when I remarried, Baruch Hashem, less than two years later, um, some of the younger kids weren't impacted that drastically because they now had someone to bond with. But the older kids had memories from the past and memories from the present. Uh, they didn't make my wife's my, uh, job uh, much easier. Uh, and they are unique individuals. Uh, and each one had a was a Pasha Rufneyat? I could imagine. Yeah. Okay, so we'll go to somebody sent in a question over here. While listening to you, I was thinking you were right. I always had that question, but was never able to ask, I guess, the question of why. 
Thank you for this program for allowing me to ask anonymously. Since I remember, I always walk around feeling the world is such a painful place with illnesses, tragedies, wherever I go every day. I know that everything Hashem does is for the good, but I don't see it. Can you please help me have a different view? Well, there's a story that they tell that two Hasidim from a shtetl uh, came to the Rebbe for Yantif, and they went into a, for a Yechidus for a private audience with the Rebbe. And the Rebbe asked them separately, each one came in separately, was Herzog in your shtetl? One said, oh, things are bad. The youth are getting lost. They're, they're straying. Nobody, nobody has clear sitem latayra. It's, it's, it's a mess. It's a real bad mess. Right? And then, so the Rebbe said, I hear you. Thank you for letting me know. I'll give you a bracha. Should get, things should get better in your town. And he left them out. The next chassid came in. Same shtetl. Rebbe asked him, was Herzog in, 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 in dein shtetl? And he said, oh, in unser shtetl, there, there are so many shiurim. There's a new shiurim before davening. And, and there's so much chesed going on. People are helping each other. And, and uh, every, you know, there's, you know there's, obviously there's, there's tzoros, but there's so much good happening. The Rebbe smiled and he took out a coin and gave it to him for bracha and atzlacha. The two shluchim, the two chasidim, uh, compared notes, and the chassid who didn't get the kiru uh, went into the rebbe again and said, "I told you the truth, and I, I didn't get any kiru." And he he had was wearing rose-colored glasses, and uh, he gets all the kiru. But the rebbe said, "You think I don't know what was going on in your shtetl? I know what's going on in your shtetl." I wanted to know where, what part of the shtetl you identify with, and I and you each of you told me what you see. Uh, the reality is that Olam uh, Haza in in Golos, since it is a tough place to be. Um, at the same time, uh, there are people today in Brooklyn whose lives revolve. 24, 6 or 24-7 of, around doing chesed. Do they see the bad? Yeah, they see the bad as a, uh, as a stepping board for doing good. There's a lot of good going on. There's a lot of learning going on. And you can accentuate the negative and you'll find negativity. If you look with a, with, with a right eye, you'll find that there's a lot of good going on in every community. There are the and the negative people who always see the negative side of things. Um, I, a Bakr told me that he was in yeshiva. He wasn't doing too well. He wasn't, he was, says Mashkiach calls him over and says, why are you battling so much? He's sitting by the Mashkiach's desk and he says, look over there. He's, he's not learning. Look over there. He's not learning. The Mashkiach took his hand stroked his hand and said, you know, when you start learning, you'll suddenly notice how many Bachram are learning. It's an attitude and 
I'm not saying that the world is perfect. It's far from perfect. And there's a lot to complain about, but complaining accomplishes nothing. Identify with people and positive people that see the good in a, around them, and that will uh, filter out on the rest of the community and, and in your attitude as well. Beautiful, Rabbi Shusterman. Okay, hi, sorry, you're on. Oh, hi. Yeah, um, I'm you know, enjoying listening to you. I think you might have answered, partially answered my question when you spoke to Honey about you know, avoiding a self-blame, but what, what you know, but I know that there are certain situations that I've managed to resolve, others I still struggle, you know, even over the years, or something might you feel like it's not just you did uh, you know, what did I do wrong? You know, we all I know we all make mistakes, but sometimes you feel uh, you feel like it's a reflects something deeper, a certain deficiency. You know, if I I'm just stupid, quote unquote, or why did I, you know, you know, you know, something that maybe reflects, you know something I'm not able to change with it, you know, within myself, I don't know, I don't, uh, it's like a situation that can't be changed because I don't have the, I personally don't have the tools. I mean, I don't know, do, I don't know how to avoid that kind of self berating. I mean, it goes beyond blame, I think. Well, yeah. from the Averster's perspective, Averster uh, made you as you are, and he gave you the tools to, to improve. And the Abishter cares for you, and uh -huh. the Abishter is concerned about you, and the Abishter loves you. So with the Abishter, you're, you're on good terms. In terms of your own inner work, for this, you may need to do some inner work. There is, again, a Rav will help you, a therapist can possibly help you. These are things that people are not machines. Uh, people are individuals and they're made up of many moving parts and sometimes uh, a machine, you got to replace a part. Uh, in a person's approach to life, sometimes he needs to, he needs to change some attitudes. Mm -hmm. that a, it requires work and the environment for that is with, with the counseling world, whether it's a religious counselor, a, a wise mentor or a therapist. It doesn't have to be forever, but it could be for a period of time while you explore what the issues are and you fix them. Okay. I hope that helps. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Okay, let's go on to the question, a deep question over here, powerful question. We've gone through a loss of a child and it's been eight years now. I am doing much better in my regular life. However, my husband has never gotten out of his depression. He's a well-respected person in the community and whatever he people tell him, he just doesn't, doesn't help him. What do you think is missing piece to help him so that he can be able to get out and start living life again? My first answer is, oi, I feel for him. Depression and being depressed for eight years uh, is much, much too long. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm, I don't have a license in psychology, but let me give you some pointers that I've learned from life. Depression is as a result of anger that cannot be directed outward 
So it's directed inward. The person is angry at something else and, and he expresses himself within himself. And for a, just from the superficial description of this person, he's a hush of a person, doesn't want to show weakness. I understand that. And uh, if this started with the loss of the child, it might be very obvious that he is angry at Hashem. Being angry with Hashem for a from a yid sometimes can be a problem. Um, I am a Maimon, how can I be angry at Hashem? So you can't express it. Uh, and so I think that's a very important area for this person to explore. And after eight years, um, there's if being angry at Hashem, if I'm angry at you, and I don't want you to know by not expressing it, um, I'm confident that you won't know. You'll see if something is wrong with me if I'm your friend, but you won't know. The Eberster's Yudea Machshavas. Anybody who's angry at Hashem because of a tragedy that happened, uh, if, he, if he is maimed at the Eberster's Yudea Machshavas, then he is, he is already speaking to Hashem. He might as well get it out into the, in the open. Um, if this has been going on for eight years, uh, he needs to, uh, uh, I don't get, uh, I'm not working for the American Psychological Association, uh, but he needs to find a private therapist who's good in which he can talk these things out. If he hasn't done that, um, he's doing himself a disservice. I have to tell you in my, in my own process, in my own process, I, was a tough guy. I was a strong person. I lost my first wife. I took care of uh, my children for the year plus. Then I remarried and shared that responsibility with my new and wonderful wife um, and, and ran a school. I don't have to tell you if anybody there is in Chinuch and if you are a director of a school, that itself is a full-time job, uh, not, not eight hours a day, but sometimes 10 and 12 and sometimes even more. And I was able to continue functioning uh, in many different areas until one day, about four years uh, after I had remarried uh, uh, my new wife, we were in Eretz Yisrael, we took some time, um, two weeks in the summer, we sent the kids to camp, and we were walking in Yerushalayim in the old city. And my wife looks at me and says, Gershon, how are you? Strange question to ask out of the blue. And I said, Baruch Hashem. Then she says to me, no, how are you really? Um, and I can only describe that at that moment I turned pale I got dizzy, and the, the, and the last four years flashed around, flashed through me, mine like, a, like on a, a fast film. And I knew I was in trouble. And I knew that 
exactly what I'm talking about now, I didn't express my feelings, is what caused that pressure. And even though I functioned on the surface, but some, on an underlying level, uh, I wasn't functioning or I was stuck. And Baruch Hashem was able to find a therapist that I knew from Los Angeles who was now practicing in Yerushalayim. And I went there, I went to that therapist, you know, in ten, a few hours a day for a few days, to try to un unpack the issues. And what I found out is I didn't want to admit that I had a cheshman with the Eberster. And, you know, when you can't admit it, you know what I did? I gave the Eberster the cold shoulder. I distanced myself from the Avishter. It doesn't mean that I didn't put on Rashi's and Rabbeinah Tamstone every day, and I didn't uh, keep the mitzvahs it, uh, properly, but there was an emotional disconnect. And that was the price that I paid. And uh, it took work during that week and follow up later uh, to reconnect. And the reconnection was based on simply realizing that I need the Avishter more than I need to bear the grudge. And somehow that all came together and things opened up and lightened up and uh, it worked out much better. So I am, uh, I'm not a fan of therapy in and of itself, a good Rav and a good wise person who's uh, wise in the ways of the world can help. But many of them will still send the person to therapy because that some of these things require intensive uh, inner work. Hmm? I hope that answers the question. Beautiful, Rabbi Let's go to the next live question. You're on. Uh, hello, Uncle Gershon. Oh, Mendel, how are you? Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Thank you very much for the class. It's really helpful and Hatzlacha with your book. Um, I have to let you know that those seven tapes, those classes, I still have the tapes. I've listened to them countless times over the year, and I feel that they've really fortified A, my Amuna and Hashem, but also educated me on the whole topic of Shabbos Rishoyim and uh, this entire topic of uh, Kushner's book. So Yeshakaya for all that. At the time, I didn't, I didn't set this up, by the way. <laughs> at the time, back in the 80s, we're talking about, and, and we were there in California when you uh, underwent this tragedy, we never thought in a million years that we would be in your shoes, uh, in a sense. And um, unfortunately, we've experienced our own tragedies. You're intimately. Uh, familiar with them, but but I have to say that um, those classes did wonders. I'm not saying that we're not bruised, but they actually they they did wonders for uh, for just my uh, well-being, my spiritual, mental well-being was uh, incredible. But I do have two questions. Uh, question number one is that I recall. At the time, you were talking about, I think you were distinguishing between uh, when someone challenges Hashem 
over someone else's experience, hashefet mishpat, to one's own experience, that there is uh, when when someone undergoes a tragedy himself, then we look to Aaron, that Vaidam Aaron, whereas when we see someone else suffering, then we get up on the uh, platform and we uh, wave our hands and, and challenge Hashem. That's question number one. And or just I just need a validation about that. And number two is I once... Um, I once uh, came across a Maimer Chazal, I don't remember where I saw it, on the Pasuk of Yeshev Bashamayim Yishchok, that uh, in a sense, when I, uh, I think the war between the Leviathan and Shara Bar is emblematic of uh, what happens to us in life and the vicissitudes of life and the ups and downs and the hills and the valleys. And Hashem is sitting in Shemaim and he's laughing and he says, you don't understand, this is all for leading up to something great and uh, what's going to happen in the future. And you're getting bent out of shape and getting a conniption, but really it's all part of the divine plan. So are you familiar with that? And do you subscribe to that? Uh, my machazal or whatever it was. Okay, first first question first. Yeah, th that is well known. Vayidim Aaron, and there's also a shot on Vayidim Aaron from the Kotzker that Vayidim Aaron is Meloshin Dam, that Aaron was bleeding from that, and he was just enraged, but he just contained it because it was the Chanukah Sabayas of, of the Mishkan. So. On one level, ultimately, the, the role of a yid is to have a muna in the Abishter, have a tafan in the Abishter. Uh, you know, in our family, there was another tragedy two years ago um, in Hanover, Germany. Um, my nephew, 43 years old, uh, died and left his wife and eight children. And she was interviewed by actually Mishpacha magazine, and they said, and they asked her, do you have any questions? He says, uh, I have many questions, but I don't have any doubts. That was a great one-liner. Uh, a Maimon in the Eberster knows that the Eberster runs the world. That doesn't mean that his feelings are assuaged. I said that right in the beginning. Reb Zusha can deal with it that way. For those of us who are not Reb Zusha, while we believe in the Eberster, you can have many, uh, uh, you, you don't have any doubts, but you can have many questions. And those questions can either be intellectual questions or it can be emotional questions, and they can manifest themselves in uh, anger that needs to, that, that is repressed anger. And if you don't express it and you don't reveal it and you don't talk it out, you don't ask questions of, of Rabbanim and you don't find a, a practical way of integrating that, uh, you're still going to have the issue. So yes, I said it. And yes, there's more to what I said then, uh, now. Um, the other thing was, um, there's a lot of madrashim along those lines um, that the Avishter's simcha as it were, uh, is from the ultimate Messias Nefesh and dedication of the Eden. Uh, but there again, that is very wonderful 
in, in the level of, of learning. In the, when you learn Hasidus, when you learn the Medrash, that's an interesting take. Uh, but there's also the outside and practical side of the person that if, it, if he remains with questions, uh, he needs to address them and, and strive to get answers. Okay, next live question, you're on. Hi, Rosh Shesterman. Um, I'm connected to a community that seems to be having tragedy upon tragedy for the last 10 plus, maybe 15 years. But like young children dying, mothers suddenly just dropping dead, fathers dying, just real tragedies. Like, so any chizuk that you can give to, to, to me, to the community, like how, how do we not question Hashem? It's like every year we seem to be like, okay, who's next? What's gonna happen next? I'm gonna read another question that came in from Montreal. Since Thursday morning, the entire Montreal community has been mourning the loss of a 32 year old woman who left behind grieving parents, a broken sister, a young widowed husband, and three young orphan children. For the past 18 months, the entire community and the world has been davening, learning and taking a chlotus for her refuah. How can we as a family, as a community, not question Hashem and grow stronger from this event? The loss is real. The grief hurts profoundly. How can we explain or get some kind of nechama as to what has happened in our community? Many listeners will be listening from our community tonight, and we are desperate answers and insights. Both of these questions uh, are very close to my heart because that's exactly what the Long Beach, California community went through uh, 36 and a half years ago. And, and, and I, was, I, I'm, I was in the center of it, and my family was the center of it, in the center of it. Um, we, the community, wrote to the Rebbe then, uh, what should we do? The Rebbe gave some suggestions of certain things that the community should undertake as a community. And at that point, when we wrote to the Rebbe, there had been three tragedies of, di of different magnitude within a, a limited period of time. And the Rebbe said not to connect the issues. Each one is a separate union, not to connect them and, and, and be crushed under the burden of as if they're one event. They're separate events and don't try to connect them. The tefillahs that have been expressed over the last 18 months, the hachlotas that people undertook, those are registered on high. Uh, we say it in the davening of, of Kippur, we say it in the slichas, the Avishter, takes each tear and he keeps it in a in his in his bottle that no tear that a yid spills for somebody else or for himself is lost at the same time uh, the abister uh, has his decisions which we don't get to know sometimes we can get some insights into it sometimes on a individual level, uh, famous Pirish and uh, Moshe wanted to, uh, to see Hashem's Midas HaEmes, and the Eivishter said, sometimes you can get some insights 
in retrospect, a year later, 10 years later, 20 years later, um, but fun I, to see it while it's happening, we don't get to see it. Uh, that is a time that uh, people, families and communities need to unite toward each other and strengthen their amuna and betachem. Uh, again, not here to tout my book, but in the book I talk about this in great length about how to deal with an Eberster that you can't understand. And there's a lot of examples and a lot of anecdotes. And, you know, I can read the, uh, the chapter now and that will be the end of the program. So I'm, and if somebody is willing to look at that, they can look there. But the Nekudas Atamsis is that we need to, that I give an example over there. Um, it's a simplistic example, but it has a good visual. Um, uh, Usher, do you go surfing? Um, yeah, sure. Usually every day, right here in Lakewood. Okay, very good. Uh, I learned to swim. Not everybody lives in California. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't swim myself personally, but I know there's such a thing called surfing, and I've seen pictures of people surfing. And I know that a wave, a surf, a wave that people surf on is very strong. It's very powerful. And if you don't position yourself correctly and, and the wave hits you, it'll knock you down and can even kill you. And when you're in front of the wave and the wave is coming, uh, you have two choices. Run and get away from it fast enough. And sometimes you can't be fast enough. The other thing is, and this is an expression that I've learned, you duck dive into the wave. There's an opening at the bottom of the wave where the pressure isn't, isn't high. You duck in there and you swim underneath the wave and come out from behind it, get on the wave and surf and you'll be exhilarated. Davis descends waves to us. Sometimes the waves are very frightening and very uh, they can be very damaging. Uh, don't fight the wave. Learn how to duck under the wave and, and dive into Hashem's embrace, even in the time of tzorah. Imeyonecha b'tzorah is not only a, a phrase and it's not only a pasik, it's a truth. The Abishter is with the person in his tzorah. Um, Hamokim Yonachim Esman, I don't know if this is the place for Divri Torah, uh, maybe. Why, why do they say to the oval Hamokim? Why don't they say Hashem, Elikim? Uh, there's a lot of names for the Ebishter. The name Hamokim is very, not used regularly. And why Dafke by Shiva do you use Hamokim Yonachim Esman? What does Hamokim even mean? The space, the place, the matter says, that the Eberster is the absolute place, and in that place where the Eberster is, the Eberster planted the world. Not that the world exists and the Eberster has to find himself in the world, but the Eberster is the, the absolute, and the world is superimposed over the Eberster. When a person has a loss, when the community has a loss, there's a void. And that void, uh, the, the pain, won't go away until that 
loss is filled. We need to realize and we need to find that in that void, the Abishter is there. The Abishter didn't abandon that community. The Abishter didn't abandon that an individual who passed on and didn't abandon their family. But the Abishter is beyond our understanding. But the Abishter is there and, and available to be addressed and to, be, and to feel Hashem's embrace in the Ace Tzara. And so it's, it's, it's a tough avoider. It's a tough avoider. Uh, but it's doable. Um, I did it and came out intact, battered and bruised. But I went through it. And here I am, uh, years later, writing books about it. Forgive me. <laughs> But it's, it's important to remember that it takes time because people might be listening to the program thinking, how can I do that now, today, right away? But listening to you, you know, it's it's been many years. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. with a lot of ups and downs, a lot of learning. And I remember all those difficult years. They, they're not, I didn't forget them. And, but it's doable. I, I I knew that the the end will work out okay because the Abishter is in charge and and it serves the Abishter's purpose. You don't have to interpret bad things that happen as good. They are good on a higher level. One day you might see it as good, At this moment, you can say. Abishter is doing something which I experience as bad, but I know it is coming from the Abishter, so it can't be bad, and it certainly serves a God's purpose. And by submitting to, to that, um, we have the strength to endure until, you know, you can ask the Abishter, solve my problem, or you can ask the Abishter, Hold my hand until I can figure out how to solve the problem. And we can turn to the Abishter to be with us, and we should feel his presence as we are struggling with the issues. Beautiful, Abishter. Okay, you're on live next. Okay, um, the, the, the Rav mentioned earlier that um, the child is given a patch. And the parent explains, you know why you're getting a potch? Because you did this and this. And the child can learn from it because he knows the why. Um, we're, we're, we're talking about the idea of asking questions or not questions, not about that we can ask questions, but if we never get the real answer of why, how do we ultimately grow properly, not knowing where the patch is coming from? Good question. Good question. I, I articulate exactly what you just said in my book, exactly. Um, so I understand what you're saying. Listen, you got to give it, you got to give it over. But only after the book, when you get now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so in the marshal, you could be talking with a six-year-old child, 
who had a who got a candy one day and got a pash the other day. Uh, when we're talking about ourselves and we're talking about adults, um, the, the answer sometimes again there's different kinds of different kinds of challenges. Some challenges can fit into a framework. We can fit some challenges into a Torah framework, uh, and some we cannot. And in the ones that we cannot, the and in the Abishter's master plan, the tsaras that come on us don't come with a little tag uh, explaining this tsara is related to this event. So we have to uh, either try to introspect and figure out if there's a connection, or ultimately we have to say the. The growing up to, is to accept that the Abishter knows what he's doing. And again, repeating myself, you submit to the Abishter's uh, superior uh, superiority. Um, if you trust if a child or an adult or a teenager who has full confidence in their parent, and their parent does something uh, to them which they seem, they de de determine as an injustice. If the parent hasn't earned their trust, then that injustice can knock them out. Knock them out and they'll stomp away in anger. But if the parent has demonstrated a good relationship, then they just say, well, I don't always get to understand my parents. Um, and the parent here in this case is the Abishter. If we have an ongoing relationship with the Abishter and we have trust in the Abishter, and Emunah and Betochem is not a, uh, I think the word is, is not binary, but it's something that we need to develop and, and nurture. And, so, and when we have challenges, we have to dig deeper to find our Emunah and Betochem. And that could be a, a big test. Um, and that's where even Aaron Akoyan, as Mendel mentioned before, Vayidim Aaron, uh, in, in the standard interpretation, he was silent and submitted um, and, didn't, and didn't answer. And, and didn't uh, go against Abishter, but he submitted to Hashem. Beautiful, Rabbi Shusterman. Okay, um, let's go to the next live question. You're on. Hey, good evening, Rabbi Shusterman. Yasso Greenman from Long Beach, California. Um, I actually, the woman right prior to me actually just took my question. So, but uh, I, <laughs> I, which is which is fine, which is great. Actually, I appreciate your response. Um, and and I recall about your wife passing, and my own Shver lived in Long Beach. It was a uh, uh, at the time, a surgeon lost his eyesight, one of his eyes that ever told him what to do to get his eyesight back, etc. So I, I'm, fam I'm familiar with, with uh, certain Yonim that I ever spoke about. But um, uh, I guess my only question and, left... And, and I know you just lost your father. I was just going to mention that. My father actually just passed on uh, first day of Sukkot. Uh, my mother, I lost her three, three years ago. And uh, to 
Yenamakla, uh, 12 years of dialysis. And uh, he, unfortunately, I told, I told people during Shiva that he uh, had passed of a broken heart. He could not hack it. Fortunately, he was not successful as you were. And uh, he could not exist without his wife. Um, and he, unfortunately, things manifested physically. And uh, ultimately, I say he passed of a, of a broken heart. My question, I guess, to you is, you had said earlier that in general, that, that for specific needs, therapy is you know very good, but in general, you're not a fan of therapy. Why? Uh, I don't think I said it. I, I don't think I said- We could go to the tape. <laughs> go to the tape. I am not here to advocate for therapy. I said twice, a, a good rov, a wise rov, or not even a rov, a wise person, wise in the ways of the world. I don't mean the, the outer world, the, how, how people work uh, um, can often deal with many of the issues uh, by spending an hour or two with a person working through their, their issues. A therapists can do that too. You have to find the right therapist um, but some of the issues require many hours and many sessions. And in those cases, I am strongly supportive of therapy. I'm not anti-therapy in any way. It's not my role to say, oh, the solution to every problem is go to a therapist. You just need to have wisdom and support, uh, proper wisdom, proper support, Torah-based wisdom, Torah-based support and uh, uh, therapy sometimes is problematic because if the therapist, some therapists, even if they're not Jewish, uh, don't mix in to your personal life, your religious life, and some do. It's better to have a from therapist uh, in many instances, not in all, but in many. But I'm not, I'm not anti-therapy. Okay, but I thank answer. you. Straighten that out. <laughs> no worries, Ishkayak. Thank you, Abba. Okay, Rabbi Shulchan. Next question. You're on. Okay, Rabbi. Um, I am very flattered that you mentioned me. I'm very humbled that you mentioned me. If I had any um, hand in your book, then I am very humbled by that, and I'm very touched. Um, I lost my husband of 29 years a year ago. And during this year, I've been dealing with everything that I've had to deal with and dealing with my feelings and so on and so on. Um, and I think mostly I'm coping and mostly I have coped, but sometimes I get like a wave of grief. It just blindsides me. Now, I know you answered about duck, ducking into the wave and, but that's when you know the wave is coming. Sometimes you don't know it's coming. What's the best way to deal with that? In my book, I talk about grief and I talk about even after the year of Shiva or, and there are special, grief is like waves. If you ever sat on the side of the ocean and you see the waves, yeah. and they get lower and lower and lower and the children are starting to run out and run on the edge of the water. And then all of a sudden, a big wave that hadn't been there for the last 15 minutes, suddenly it comes and the kids run and uh, waves 
life works that way. Uh, the, the waves of grief and the wave of, waves of loss don't follow a neat pattern. Right. Got over it and it's over. Uh, it's there, it comes back, it comes back on a yard site, it comes back on a yontif, it comes back in, uh, at a wedding of children, it, it comes back. This, this is the process, you know. So the halacha has different levels of, 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 uh, of grief. Third day, three days, seven days, shleishim, uh, 11 months, 12 months. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that after 12 months, you're, you're, you're clear forever. Uh, it, it, it may be significantly behind you, but the only way you can, you can deal with it is knowing that it's, it, it, be vigilant, it might be coming, and, and tell yourself, I've survived the worst, I'll survive this too. Okay, thank you. And it was a joy to work for you. I remember that, it was so nice. Thank, thank you. I didn't, I didn't set her up either. Either. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Okay, let's go to the next live question. You're on. Thank you, Rabbi Shesterman. Um, and thank you for validating um, being allowed to ask questions because since we were young, we were always taught, you know, if you want to ask questions, Hashem will take you up there and explain to you up there your questions. So thank you for that. Um, second, we'll have a few questions. My first one is, how do we explain to children that are suffering and all they know is suffering, um, this concept, and they see life as unfair, and Hashem as not being a good loving father? Um, my next question is, how do we know what Hashem wants from us in our challenges? Um, we're, we're supposed to be but you know, sometimes we don't know the answers. And even when we ask Rabbanum, we don't always get that answer. And my next question is, like, why are some Nishamas chosen to suffer so much? Well, I mean, everyone has their share. And you know, seemingly some suffer more than others. So you know, what is that? You ask questions that really should be asked of a Navi or of a Rebbe, not of me, but let me, let me see what I can do about it. Um, all right, go over the questions again, one by one. Do one by one, first one. First one is, how do we explain or deal with young children that are suffering and don't see Hashem as loving and never had the opportunity? All they know is suffering. Oh, okay, the, the child himself. Yeah. Yeah. Reasoning will not do much then. The child must be embraced and loved and supported and together with the child to daven that this ends. To explain something like that to a child uh, can actually sometimes distance the child even more because what even with adults, when they ask questions, um, they, they don't really want answers. They don't know how to, they want that the pain that they're experiencing to should go away. I once had a 
incident with my son, a, a, a married son with a family of his own um, who lives out of town, at least out of the town that I live in, I was visiting him. And he was talking to me about his cousin who was going through uh, uh, a fight with, um, um, trying to remember which cancer it was, not that it makes any difference. And he was losing that fight. And he was a shliach in Virginia and he had a wife and had young children. And he was telling me how unjust it is uh, just like everybody today is talking about. And I was making believe that I was a rabbi and I was preparing my rabbinic answer. Then I said, this, my son who is in his thirties then, he's a rabbi too. And he deals with these issues, these issues too. And he has answers too. And what am I gonna tell him something that he knows? So I said to him, uh, when he got it all out, uh, tell me, uh, Eliyahu, do you want an answer or do you want a hug? That was the last thing he expected from me. Uh, and he was silent for a bit and then tears came out of his eyes. And he said, I want a hug. And I gave him a hug. We both cried for our, his nephew, uh, his cousin, my nephew. And did it solve the problem? No, but the answer wouldn't have solved the problem either. And there was no answer that I can give him because I don't know the ways of the Eberster. Um, but for him, he wanted this assuaged some of his immediate pain. So, uh, and for the, a child, the, the, the therapy or the answer for the child is the love of his parents and that, and that they are empathetic with him and they're supporting him. Uh, but to, to argue, and it depends how, how old the child is, but uh, I think that that's where the focus needs to be on. Thank you for that. I guess as you were speaking, what was coming for me is we can learn from Hashem. It's, you know, Hashem said, that was the biggest comfort, just knowing that Hashem is with yep. you. And that's all. Okay, my, my second question was, how do we know what Hashem wants from us when we're in this challenge? Um, even when we ask Rabbanim, they don't always know. So like, how are we supposed to be Mephashas the Masinu? Right. So I certainly can answer that. The Rabbanim who know the person, the Rabbanim who know the community, they can, uh, the Eivishter doesn't send the tattle along with the tzara and say, this tzara is related to this, this lack. Uh, once in a while, it, there's some elements of the tzara that point in a certain direction, but many times not. Um, and the Yafashvish B'maisov, to explore your deeds, means go through the an entire scan of everything that you have and see what you can, what you feel needs to be rectified. Um, and that might be it. And, and you tell the Ebrister, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to rectify this. I'm going to do this better. And I hope this is what you're looking for from me. Uh, but to say definitively, no, it doesn't, it, it doesn't come earmarked that way. 
So it's like a process of elimination. We'll try this. If this doesn't work, we'll try something else. Try everything or try something that works or try, you got to start somewhere. And that's what Eberster wants. We wanted to get our attention. You got our attention. We're doing what we think might be what you want from us. Thank you. Okay, my next question was, why do some neshamas have to go through so much more suffering than others? Uh, again, one of those imponderables. Uh, sometimes the only thing, first of all, I don't know. But sometimes it has to do, and again, uh, there are stories about uh, Gilgulams, neshamas that have been here before and had unfinished business, and they come back to finish, to, to finish off what was lacking in the previous life. And uh, see, it's, a, it's the same neshama, or however, however Gilgul and neshamas are supposed to be understood. So it, the chesh, the, that this particular person born in this century has a uh, uh, an account that started in an earlier life and sometimes in a, uh, two earlier lives, and uh, again, ultimately, you have to believe that the bookkeeper keeps the books honestly and with the best intentions, and the bookkeeper is the Eivishter. Thank you. Here's an interesting question that came in. Hi, Rabbi, thank you for your time. We have in our family a genetic sickness that my father passed away from, and now I have had it for a few years, the person themselves. There's no cure for it. How do I continue trusting in Hashem and that he can heal me any day? It doesn't look like it will ever happen. Do I tell myself every day that I will be healed? Is that the way to look at this? Um, so, the Eivishter is functions through Shem in Derech HaTeva, and the Eivishter is much greater than Shem Belekim. Shem Havaya is Lemailem in Derech HaTeva, and the Eivishter encompasses both. Emuna and Betochen connect the person to the Eivishter that is Lamaila Midarachateva. Lamaila Midarachateva actually means that even though the last 10,000 people who had this illness uh, ended up succumbing to it painfully, um, but in your case, it might turn out differently. If you can as I said before, emuna uh, and betochen is not you either have it or you don't. You you it can grow with you and you can grow in it. It is a yid needs to believe that the abishter can help them lamaila medarachatav. Should that be their only uh, approach? Uh, for Tzadikim, for sure. Um, for Abzusha of Anipali, for sure. For regular people, if they can access it, great. If they can't, they have to 
ask of the Avishter to give them the strength to endure that which is apparently destined for them. And that also requires strength coming from the Avishter and not despair and make the best of every day and make the best of every circumstances, every circumstance. Um, so it, there are two options and it depends on how you relate to the Avishter and, and you can access both. Um, is it, is it possible that every day is different depending on their mood and how they feel? Yeah. And if, if, is it okay, you know, having those ups and downs? The relationship to the Avishter is the, the Avishter who is uh, higher than the world came down to the world and connected to the Jewish people and he contorted himself to function as, as a Hashem in Olam Haza for limited human beings. That's what Abraham's plan was, not only for us, but for him. Abraham was mitzamsim himself to be able to relate to us as we are. And we also can uh, deal with the, address the Abraham from our narrow and finite perspective, or to find the, the key to our emunah and betachem and transcend that. And there's no reason why you can have one on Sunday and the other one Monday and Tuesday and the other one on Wednesday, and it lifts you up uh, and then you sink down a little bit and it lifts you up again, yeah. Sometimes it could be hard for people when they're going through these challenges. Hard to even think the way we're discussing it now on this program. You know, we're asking questions and we're giving some answers, trying to figure it out. But when you're going through a real challenge, sometimes you're 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 just not thinking. Yeah, right. You're, and that's a time where you you just have to just take care to take care of yourself. Just yeah. just. No, don't don't try to figure things out. Just do what you need to do. Relax. Take it easy. Hashem loves you, and uh, you know, with without all of these cheshbonos that I need to figure out how to fix this and how to what does Hashem want for me? Yeah, correct. Okay, now let's do one more live question. I think we have two more live questions, and then, and then one more, and then we'll go to closing. Okay, let's unmute. Hi, how are you? Hi. Hi. Uh, the question is this. We talk a lot about Amunah and Hashem and feeling the love of Hashem. My question is about children who are abused from birth. There's some severe abuse going on out there. To begin with, we learn of eros are our results. I mean, nisionim are a result of our eros. I don't know how to explain that when you have a, an abused child. Additionally, Mishle says, give me a kid for the first six years and I'll set his ways for life. In the case of an abused child who never learns how to relate, who lives in fear from the beginning, how do you ever come to appreciate the love of Hashem? 
After all, one of the reasons if you're given parents and given love is to learn how to respect authority and how to receive love. If that's not happened, and Hashem provides for that not to happen, how can you tell someone then to go proceed as though Hashem loves him? Now, now I've had this situation and, I, and I've been to Rebbeim and Rebbeim will not address this. They send you to a therapist. So this is a general question about how to deal with abused children who cannot receive love, can't give love because they never experienced growth in that fashion. How does the Torah account for this? That's my question. Your question, whatever is better than whatever answer I'm going to give you. Um, to, to the extent that I will try to answer your question, uh, number one, uh, again, I'm working in an area that is beyond my knowledge, but I will try. Number one, as I said before, when, when we don't find reasons in the normal framework of Torah, we may have to fall back on, maybe this is something held over from an earlier Gilgul. I know that sounds, the whole concept of Gilgulim sounds far-fetched. And who am I to say that this is because of a Gilgul? But if, the, if there's no answer in the present, I'm positing that as a poss possible answer. And number two, uh, I, I think that uh, even a person, again, it's not for me to say because I'm not a psychologist, but I believe even people who start off their life in this, in the hell that you're describing, uh, with a lot of hard work and a lot of therapy, their, their, their life can be reframed. I say a lot of hard work, and maybe people don't have the, the energy and the resources to have that long-term therapy, uh, but I would believe that that is possible. The question's a good question. Okay, Rabbi Shustman, last live question, and then uh, maybe one more, and then we'll go to closing. You're on. Hi. Hi. Who? Oh, me. Okay. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is absolutely fantastic. Two quick questions. There are so many times that we make so many changes, take so many Kabbalists. I'm talking about challenges that stay for years and years and years. How do we have Kayach to keep on doing it? And my second question is, true, we have to make changes. Should we have to do Hishtadlis? Should we have to do Kabbalists? But at what point does a person just say, I can't anymore and I have to just stop and accept? Um, I don't think it's a stira. First of all, you know, if you have a cup that's leaking and you continue filling up the cup, and as long as what you're putting into the cup is more than that's leaking out, you are, you are uh, always working with a full cup. When you stop filling the cup, uh, that's when the water runs out. 
Um, all these tefillas and all these kabbalas and all these tears uh, do help. Uh, we don't know the full mechanism of the tzara and why it's there, uh, but don't despair. Everything that I, I mentioned before, that the Abishter has a, a bottle in which he keeps Jewish tears. Uh, that's, we say it in the davening. Uh, the Abishter has a, a system where he, where he keeps Jewish tefillahs, and they all contribute to the balancing out of, uh, with, with, of the challenges that they are, uh, the, um, that have been mis, uh, that we davened for that problem and the Kabbalists that we took on for ourselves, they are, we don't, you know, it's not a machine, it's a spiritual uh, system, but that is all real. Um, and when you say, when, I'm not sure the, at the end, when you're tired and worn out and you don't want to do anymore, does it mean give up? Or sub, when you said submit, uh, submit to Hashem or give up? Give up is never a strategy. Uh, the Eivishter doesn't give up on us and we shouldn't give up on him. Uh, we need to find resilience. We need to find inner strength and keep plugging away. That's our duty. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to the last question. So this person writes, yes, it is hell. I'm going through hell down here on earth. There's so many things happening in my life. I just feel like giving up. How can God do this to me? Thank you, Rabbi. I believe there is a bigger picture and we don't really understand what's behind all of the suffering. But why can't Hashem show us the bigger picture so we don't suffer so much? So I'll, I'll answer you with two anecdotes. The Talmidim of the Mesircha Magid were sitting and talking. Maybe they were having a Fabrengen. And the subject was, uh, if, if I were the Avishter, how would I have made the world differently? Maybe this question came up at that Fabrengen. I don't know. Anyway, one, and these were the Talmidim of the Magid that later they became Rebus in their own right. One of them made one suggestion, one of them made another suggestion. And you know, one of the, one of the Talmidia Magid was Rebshneir Zalman of Ladi, the Alter Rebbe, who ended up being the first Abad Rebbe. And he said, I disagree with all of you. If, and he said, not I disagree with you, I have a different opinion. I will tell you that you, your opinion, you, when you think deeply, you would realize that if you were the Abishter, you would do it exactly as the Abishter actually did it. So there's no reason to find a different plan. The Abishter's plan is the plan, whether you appreciate it or understand it or not. Um, Rabbi Shia Tversky, Olav Shalom, uh, wrote about this. He, he was a he was a rabbi and a and a psychiatrist and a therapist. And he, he spoke about some of the people who went through what they went through. He dealt with the people who were 
in addiction. And he saw the suffering that people went through and he saw the growth that happens to them um, when they do their work well and hard and they do come out transformed and healthy in a way that they themselves never could have imagined uh, that they could or would. But to himself, he said, why, why does it have to be that they have to go through, using the same term, living hell for years until they get through it? Why couldn't it be done more easily? And he said, well, in, I've come to the conclusion that the Abister is greater than me and wiser than me, and he doesn't see it my way, and therefore it must mean that the only way it could happen is when people go through the work. So instead of complaining about the challenges, do the work, and then there's hope. Without that, uh, it's an assignment that we are meant to overcome, and sometimes we give up in the middle. Somebody send in an email. I'll read it for one last question, and then we'll go to closing, if that's okay. I've been through many challenges and I've been worked on acceptance. I've also believed strongly that Hashem loves me. Even during some very painful times, I was able to thank Hashem for the challenges because I saw they helped me grow. All that helps. Recently, challenges have been piling up one after another. Problem with a child, then a problem with my husband falling apart and struggling parenting in Yiddishkeit, then another child having suicidal thoughts. And throughout this one child after another getting sick, I'm finding lately that I'm getting so angry at Hashem. My husband and I have both worked hard to come closer to him and it feels like he's pushing us away. What can I do to feel like Hashem loves me? How could I see this for my good when I barely have time to breathe before the next crisis comes? My first answer is, oi, it, it's, I can't answer that question. Um, I just know that there was, just tell you a story about a guy who ran a big moisid and he was in debt and he was in great debt. And uh, he wrote to the Rebbe, the Rebbe's answer to him was, Yeshazek be'emuna obibitochen. He has been going through 10 years of financial hell in keeping his moisid alive, uh, borrowing money and being unable to pay back. And then, I guess he was mischazik be'amuna and be'betachen. Was a woman who came to see him about something. She was going through difficult times. Um, then the woman, she was a, a wife of a very wealthy Jewish philanthropist in Los Angeles. Um, and then a few weeks later, she committed suicide. This woman and. Prior to that, she had rewritten her will, leaving a third of her portion of the family estate to this rabbi's cause. And it took a few years of lawsuits uh, to get it released, but it did happen. So there are instances 
where digging deeper is and is the only answer, the only answer I can answer. I don't, I know that, again, so many of these questions have the same theme. I can't handle it anymore. Um, I understand. I understand. It's, it's, life is, it, it, it's, it's, like, it's like waves and it doesn't stop. You can't say, wait for a little bit. Let me catch my breath. Life doesn't get, let you catch your breath. You have to find the resilience in life and you have to dig deeper in yourself. Even when you can't, when you don't see any, any more space within yourself, you got to dig deeper and find it. That's where the solution is, not from the outside. Okay, let's go to closing now. I was just been, think for a few minutes. It was a good, uh, good, good chizik before you leave. After all the questions tonight and all the everything that was shared tonight. So, so first, we'll start off first. from California for coming on tonight, giving tremendous chizik. This is a this is a sugi that that there's no magic answer. It's just it's a lot. It's just just threading a dark is itself is, is a chizik in itself. Appreciate it. And Hashem, the Elm should buy his book. We'll send out his uh, information, where to buy it and everything. It's it's written very well. I skimmed through it. And uh, should Hashem give a lot of chizik. Again, tonight, this year should be a schuss for these two girls, Chana Gittel, Bas, Sipoyer, Sarah, and Miriam, Chai, Bas, Sipoyer, Sarah, to find the Shidduch, and the schuss, El Nishmas, Daniel, Ben, Rabbi Yosef, Ruben, Alevi. And again, if anybody else wants to, um, to join us every Sunday night, please WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066. And every Sunday, I will send you the flyer. The presenter that week and the replays, you can go to menachembarenfel.com, to his website, and sign up to get the emails every week, the shirim and the replays. Again, anybody's here the first time, every Sunday night at 9.30 Eastern time, we have different shirim, different topics. Next Sunday, it'll be the first time there'll be no shir on Sunday. I told everybody to replay, to do chazar, so share on the past 122 shirim. Sorry, but uh, it happens. And uh, the next show will be November 27th. Tzvi Center from the Center of Yeshiva and Israel Live. Followed by December 4th, Rabbi Meshulam Epstein, a big therapist, world-renowned therapist from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Their Moshe Rapper from Tom's River, New Jersey, will be December 11th. The all-powerful programs, please join us, tell people about it. Be part of our Sikhs Haver, Machabur over here. And um, everything's recorded, Matshem. It will be on menachembarenfall.com. If anybody has any questions, you can email coachmenachem at gmail.com. Tonight's share, share 122. If you want to listen to it on the phone, it'll be up tomorrow. Uh, the phone number is 848-777-GROW. If you want to listen to it on the phone, Rabbi Shusterman, people want to know how do they reach out to you if there's a, a email or something. If people want to ask you a question, do you want to give that out? Uh, yes. Okay, so what's your email address? The email address would be why God why the book dot com. Why God why God why the book dot com. Yep. Okay, so go there. You can reach out to Rabbi Shusterman over there. And uh, if you have any questions, and if somebody wants to buy the book, we can go to, right, Kehot, K-E-H-O-T.com. You can go to Amazon.com, Why God Why. I'm Gershon Shusterman if you want to buy it. Again, thank you to all the advertising sponsors, Lakewood Scoop, Elian Ariel from Five Town Central, Chayla Kaufman and Shulson from JCN, and Rabbi Shusterman. It was a great, great secret tonight. It was a very hard topic. Very few people could stand there from your position and, you know, give that chizik. So appreciate you sharing your unbelievable strength and koyach. And your advice and uh, Coach Menachem will go to closing and the Rabbi Shusterman. Tanachtep is good. Coach Menachem. Yeah, I want to thank Rabbi Shusterman and uh, for undertaking 
to be here tonight on this topic, which is not um, an easy one. It's heavy, a lot of pain, a lot of challenges, and people um, are struggling, having a hard time. And to, like to answer when there's no answers is not an easy thing. But we want to thank you for the physic. And uh, like we heard, it's not easy. And it does take many years, like Rabbi Shusterman said, and we see, it's a, you know, it's a process with ups and downs, whether it's the grief process or, you know, speaking to whoever you need to figure out what works, what doesn't, and when you find yourself in the, in the pits and when you find some physic. But I just want to mention that, like one of the questions is, you know, after doing so many Kabbalists and so many Tefillahs, it's... You like you can't breathe anymore. In a way, sometimes you have a lot of negativity, thinking about negative, and davening about the negatives. I think it is important to bring in slowly. I know it's not easy. A little bit of positive. I know there's big movements out there with thank you Hashem, and uh, you know, but it doesn't it doesn't have to be with a movement. It's just finding a, even a drop of positive while you're doing the tefillahs and while you're in that negativity to find something that you could, you could, you know, Baruch Hashem, something small to find, like, like they say, the, the, the cup is half full and half empty. Wherever you go, there's negative and positive. Like we heard, it depends on your attitude. What are you looking at? What do you focus at? And usually when you're in a challenge, you focus with the negative. That's what happens. You don't see the positives because you're in that negative. But if you can slowly pull in a little bit, and it might help to get some fresh air. Like you're saying, when it's so hard and all the tefillahs and all the kabbalahs, that's a lot of negative and negative and negative. And it's like holding your breath. Find something positive so, so that you can take a little breath in so, so that you can breathe. Again, it's easy said and done. And uh, it's not an easy topic. And yes, there is anger and there is denial, which could be for many years. And that's, you know, all of this, all of these pieces are okay. There's nothing wrong with you. This is how it works, but you should get the help that you need so that somebody can hold your hand so that you can learn how to hold your own hands. Understand that whatever you're going through is okay. And eventually, hopefully come out on other sides from under the wave, so thank you for that. I would add to what you just said. Um, people should take pills. What kind? Hasidus. <laughs> Avot Hasidus is Kemayim Karim Al Nefesh and Hasidus is available in Hebrew and Yiddish and English and French and in Russian, in Swahili, in every language under. And I'm not talking Dafke Hasidus Chabad, but there's a lot of Hasidus. Hasidus is a unique pill that five or 10 minutes of uh, idea of Hasidus uh, is, is Machaya Nefoshis. It, it, it works. So that's just a suggestion along those lines. Just before you close, I just have a question. Is your wife Chana Rochel? Is that your wife? That is. Hi, Chana Rochel. How are you? Hi, Baruch Hashem. The other was asking if you can give a bracha, a woman that to marry somebody with 11 kids and raise them, they wanted to give a bracha to everybody listening to the share tonight. That's what people are asking for. Wow. I'm just giving the message. Okay. Um, 
before that, I thought of one thing that that helped me a lot. I mean, I went from being single to raising a lot of kids and a lot of changes. And there's a saying from Rabbi Nachman of Breslov that really helped me a lot. I mean, everything, thank God, you know, but just so many people and so many changes and so much going on with each one. And my kids know this, they're not kids anymore, they're all adults. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov says, you have to start new every day and sometimes many times a day. And I found that very helpful because sometimes it would seem like we're going through the same thing again, going through the same thing again. I didn't know what to do. Sometimes I did and sometimes I didn't. But it was very helpful to be able to start new every day and sometimes many times a day. I just thought I would share that. In terms of a bracha, we all need Mashiach now. The chesed of bracha mean. And so Hashem should bless everybody who's here with chesed and rachamim and with Mashiach. And that each person who's here should find their way, you know, easily, that light should shine for each one and they should find their way forward. And yeah, sometimes, like my husband said, there are waves and it comes up and down but we should be able to start new and, and everything should have revealed good, revealed blessings and whatever each person needs should be fulfilled. Amen. 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 leave us with There's a Pasuk in Mishle. At all times, love a friend and a, a brother will be born in a time of tzara, meaning that friend will blossom in the relationship, will blossom into uh, more than just a friend, but he'll actually be your brother. Gemara says, uh, that the word reya, which is pretty common in Mishlei, who is the friend of a Jew? The Abishter is the friend. The whole ace of reya at all times love your friend, which is the Abishter. And in a time of Sarah, he will be your brother, your father, your support. It's hard when you have a problem and you don't have any friends, and you say, uh uh. Open the door and go, guys, I need a friend. Anybody want to be my friend right now? It's a, it's a, it's a little late to accomplish that. Um, Mishle is saying, develop an ongoing relationship with the Abishter. And that means to keep Torah and mitzvahs. And that means that in the Torah and mitzvahs to have the primius, to re relate that your mitzvahs and your learning has to do with the Abishter. And then, um, you know, people who come to shul every day and they have a minion, Kavua, the whole minion is their friend, and the Abishter is there. Gemara says he Abishter is waiting for them. If somebody misses a regular minion, the Abishter is worried. 
and they say doesn't say he's worried. They have to ask why. I missed you this morning. Uh, I don't think that an Armenian, which starts at now with the new clock, six twenty a.m. on Monday and Thursday, and six twenty-five on the rest of the week. Uh, I'm not sure everybody has the deepest kavana, um, but we're, we're there. We check in, and sometimes we say to the Abister, "Nice meeting you again. I got to go to work now, but I'll see you tomorrow morning. We'll continue this this discussion." There's many levels of having a relationship with the Abister, but to be able to say that the Abister is my friend is something that we can achieve. The Abister is accessible, not in a time of tzara but in a time of simcha, in a time of, in regular times, and then, should not have tzaras and never have to dig deeper and find the, the essential relationship. This is my hope for myself and for everybody else to keep developing a relationship with the Abishter. It is accessible. Keep developing your emuna and betachen. It requires work. It's not just it's there. It has to be nurtured, has to be worked on. Shara Betachen for is accessible in Hebrew and in English. These are the things that give us strength and, and give us a framework to deal with the issues before there are problems. And again, hopefully there won't be any problems, but if there are, we have a framework to fall back on. Thank you, Rabbi and Rebetzin Shostman, for coming tonight and giving your time and your words of wisdom. Good night, and we'll see you next week. We'll take a break, and we'll see you November 27th, Rabbi Tzvi Center from Eretz Yisrael. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night. Thank you. Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly, monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes. And it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance.